Hey guys, and welcome back to the Building Financial Fitness Podcast. And today I have back with me Aki from Talent Stories. Welcome back. Thanks, Janice. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Happy 2024. Happy New Year. Speaking about 2024, because of what the work that you do, and I want to talk about employee trends in 2024. So I actually saw this survey that was actually done by Indeed, where they were putting forth, you know, what were the foremost employee trends this year, and it's in moonlighting, rage applying, and quiet quitting. 18% of the respondents actually indicated that they actually have engagement in secondary employment, which means that, you know, more people are looking to have additional income streams. And, you know, most of the reasons cited is because of uh, inadequate pay, for example. Mm. So I think as far as we know, moonlighting is not illegal in Singapore. Um, as long as you're not, you know, here on employment pass, and as long as you disclose all your income and pay yeah. your income taxes. But I do know that it's commonly discouraged for obvious reasons by employers. What are your thoughts on this trend? And do you see this as a net positive or negative? So moonlighting, it's funny. Moonlighting, there was a show a long time ago called Moonlighting mm. that you might remember. Folks have also you know, hear the term side hustle, mm -hmm. right? And I think a lot of Gen Z, if you go on corporate TikTok these days, which I recommend, by the way, it's super, mm. super insightful. They call it polyworking. Mm. Uh, same idea, right? This notion of having multiple jobs. I think what I think of it is on the one hand, whether it's moonlighting or rage applying or quiet quitting, I think it all just points to a huge breakdown in trust mm. between employers and employees, a real breakdown in that sort of implicit contract that existed for decades and decades around the fact that you would roughly have one job, quote unquote, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, early 80s, you might have that job for decades and decades. Mm. That got blown up a long time ago. And it's it's kind of surprising that it's taken this long for us as, as employees to get a little more creative around what that relationship should look like. The concept of this one job at a time, stay loyal, is such a deeply ingrained concept. You see it in the media, you see it on LinkedIn. As a recruiter, I helped reinforce that for years and years in the resumes I looked at and the people I hired. But in practice, I think what we see is it's a real breakdown in trust on both sides. Mm. And mostly, I, I think it creates real challenges for employers. But I think it's mostly a net positive that folks are starting to be so strategic, for instance, about this moonlighting, about poly working, etc. I think it's a net positive. Mm. So you talked about trust between the employer and employee that has broken down. Mm. So when do we start seeing that start to break down? I think if you're going to point to a year or a moment, I mm. would steer you to the pandemic, mm. right? As sort of that distrust was brewing in the background passively for years and years and years. I think you combine that with sort of a generational shift that was happening at the same time. And then boom, the pandemic hits, right? Early 2020, call it, depending on where you live. Mm -hmm. And it forces this huge worldwide, what I call reimagining of work, right? Mm. Um, why do I do what I do? Is it providing me with the meaning that I need to have? Is it providing me financially with what I need? Why did I commute all those years back and forth, the millions of hours of commuter hours? All that gets questioned. And I think what we see is, employees doing that reimagining mm. much faster than the employers are doing it. And that's where you get this disconnect and what you see all over the press mm -hmm. around, you know, strawberries and Gen Z being so lazy and entitled and all these things. It's really, I mean, somebody who gets to spend time in the US and in Asia, it's, mm. it's a global phenomenon, right? Mm. So I think that was probably the moment, right, where things spilled over, but it was bubbling up for, I would argue, for low decades, Janice. Mm. You're right that COVID has actually changed 
the narrative for many people, you know, with regards to jobs, right? Because obviously that was one where, you know, it really made us think what work from home means. Mm. And, you know, we actually all had to work from home for like years, right? The entire COVID period. And people then saw that it was possible to work from home. They did. And as much as the world went sideways, work, profits, revenues did not necessarily go sideways. Obviously, if you were working for a cruise ship or travel, it, it definitely went sideways. But mm. by and large, we made this massive shift and it was sort of like, whoa, I'm working from home now. Corporate-wise, things are still moving ahead, right? And so I think that sowed a lot of distrust, right? To think that, wow, I was told I had to commute. I had to be there physically in person. I couldn't have flexibility. And here we are doing it. It's working for the most part, right? Obviously, mm. you know, lots to figure out because if you had to do it efficiently and productively and creatively. Mm -hmm. But by and large, it was, I think that was also, it wasn't just we're at home, this flexibility is nice, but it's quote unquote working for the most part that led to a lot of the mistrust. I mean, because we're talking about the mistrust, right? So then as a society, should we look to then rebuild that trust or we should celebrate the fact that employees are becoming a lot more creative, but you know, they're, they're offering and they're starting to think of themselves as actual businesses that can service several clients. Yep, it's a great question. I think it's absolutely an opportunity. Like I, I think it's up for grabs, the trust. And it's not just with work. We see a decline in trust, I mean, it financially, right? From uh, sort of traditional finance to decentralized finance. You see it in politics. You see it in the media and the way media has become so fractionalized. Mm. It's a global, multi-realm phenomenon, right? That, mm. that trust is this low. And we see globally, we see this uh, move from centralization to decentralization mm. in so many realms. Mm. I think work has been this special case where for a number of reasons, we don't like to talk about the fact that it's declining in trust and that work is decentralizing, mm -hmm. but it's absolutely decentralizing. Mm -hmm. And so part of a bigger trend, but also, yeah, a huge opportunity for folks who know how to build that trust. Yep. Leaders, organizations, institutions, I think you have a chance to stick out, frankly, and, and sort of grab that trust, right? Or mm -hmm. reestablish re it with folks. So yeah, I think it's mostly a, a good thing, quote unquote, if you're just clear-eyed about the fact that it's a bit broken mm. and you're willing and able to put in the work to build that trust. Again, as an individual, as an organization, you name it. But you know, it's different perspectives from the employer and the employee because from the employer, you know, it's yeah. very obvious reasons why they do not encourage moonlighting, right? You know, sometimes it could be, you know, if you're moonlighting and you happen, the other company that you're working for is actually a competitor, then of course there's a lot of conflict of mm. interest there. Yep. You know, there's the obvious reason of, you know, if you're not, if you're moonlighting, it's very possible that you're not putting 150% into your existing job, mm -hmm. all these kinds of reasons, right? And from an employer's perspective, I don't know, is it possible to now like start to recreate workplaces where, you know, moonlighting wouldn't be something that is top of mind that's considered by an employee? I think it is possible as long as there's necessity. For instance, there's, uh, I think it's Mitsui, the trading house in Japan, mm. like fairly conservative institution within a, a culture that is not necessarily on the bleeding edge of a lot of work trends. And yet they sent out an all hands email probably about a year ago now it's telling mm. their team like look it's okay you can have these sort of side hustles mm. right mm. and look japan is demographically in a in a fix i think is yes probably the best way to put it but you know declining population very 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 small uh, labor pool mm. but yeah if in that context you can see organizations embracing the poly work or the moonlighting then i think that bodes well for the for the rest of them uh, trying to figure that out. Like, what does it look like? And again, I don't want my, maybe, maybe it's fair to say, I don't want my employee 
uh, moonlighting. But I'd much rather know about that moonlighting mm. and be able to manage it or not, right? Like, okay, well, if you need to have two or three gigs at a time, maybe this isn't the place for you. Mm. And then try and go after somebody who, who can be focused on just my work. Mm -hmm. Either way, I think being a bit more open about it, again, building that trust is pays ROI. Mm. And do you think like, um, you know, there are certain jobs where it's easier to moonlight? For sure. Yeah, mm. I do. And that's, you know, as a function of, of the intensity of the job, of the remoteness of the job, right? It's not probably not a coincidence that these, you know, side hustle percentages are going up at a time when more and more people are not physically at work. Mm. But yeah, I definitely think it's fair to say that there are some gigs that lend themselves better to moonlighting than others, for sure. Then from an employee's perspective, mm. it's very clear why they would feel the temptation or to, to moonlight because first of all, it's additional income. It helps them, you know, expand their portfolio, if you will, mm -hmm. especially, you know, there are many times where people feel stuck in certain companies, maybe because they're not given the opportunities to grow in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. Or let's say they've always been an analyst, for example, and they wanted to go more into business development, but they haven't been able to do that. And and maybe there is something on the side that allows them to do that. And 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 I can see that the, the benefits of that, like growing as an individual, and when I look at the various job trends that we've heard about since COVID, because there's like rates quitting, there's been the poly jobs, like you said, um, there is the live flat movement that was mm -hmm. like very trendy in China, China. for a while. Mm -hmm. um, there were lazy girl jobs that was happening as well. So if I think about having side hustles yeah. from a personal development perspective, I actually think it's a good thing. Yeah, you, you list off those hacks, right? That's the word I, I flash to as you're describing them. And you know, I've called this the great like workaround, mm. right? Like on purpose, right? People are literally trying to work around the traditional system, right? Mm. And so to the extent they're experimenting, I think that's really positive. On a broad sort of level, on an individual level, I absolutely agree. I think you want to learn to make more bets, mm. right? And um, this notion of having all your eggs in one basket, I think is, I mean, you come from a finance world, like generally it's not a great strategy mm. in terms of risk and in terms of managing upside. I think especially when the macro is so thoroughly uncertain right now, and it's it's as uncertain as it's been in a while, mm -hmm. and you can list, list off the factors, the inflation, the wars that are going on, the, the macro, everything that's that we find ourselves in, like that uncertainty is super high, right? And the traditional bargain like we're talking about with the employers is in my mind fairly broken. Mm. And so, yeah, good on you, right? Like take more of those bets, diversify those income streams, learn more, about yourself. I think last time I was here, we talked a bit about the idea of career capital. Mm. Go and accrue different forms of career capital, especially in a down market, right? Mm. I think generally this is the time to dabble and explore mm. so that when, if and when, and we will eventually hit that upswing, mm. then you'll have that much more awareness, which is itself a form of career capital. You'll have more skills, maybe some more network. So you'll have operated in some different contexts. And so from that standpoint, I think side hustles are a great way to learn quickly, mm. build that career capital, and hedge the risk that you might have and give yourself more optionality going forward. Mm. Right? I mean, I really love the idea of, you know, which we talked about the last time, which is building career capital. Mm. And I've actually had, you know, even more conversations with people post that recording about how do you build that career capital, right? Mm. And I think there is a way to do side hustles right. Mm. And sometimes there's a way to do it like completely wrong. Mm. So, you know, do you have any tips for people who are, you know, who have their own side hustles? I mean, moonlighting is not actually illegal, but, you know, when, even when I say the word moonlighting, it doesn't have 
certainly doesn't have the most positive connotation to it. First of all, find out what what is and isn't doable vis-a-vis where you're working right now, right? Mm. Like there's, you have, typically you have a contract, you have HR, but I think there's ways to ask, like just because you're asking doesn't mean you're outing yourself as mm. like, hey, I'm, I'm already moonlighting, right? But I think figure out what you don't know. Mm. Part of the challenge too is a lot of these side hustles and these forms of moonlighting are very online, right? Mm. And so, sure, if you can have a job, quote unquote, in parallel with another job, and they can exist in two completely different spheres, fantastic. In practice, increasingly, there's a lot of internet-based jobs, right? And you're wanting to not just work two jobs, but put your work out there, right? That's part of the, the return you get on that career capital. So I think figuring out first where you stand makes a lot of sense in terms of what you can and can't do. Mm. And then having the ability to navigate both those gigs or all three of those gigs in some cases becomes mm. a little bit easier versus needing to be all sneaky and clandestine about it the whole time. Right? Mm. I think that scales. You know, typically when we think about side hustles, mm-hmm. the first side hustles that I personally came in contact with was like my, like she was like my colleague and she had a roaring baking business on the side. Oh, wow. I think now she does it full time. Her desk job was, you know, in the, let's say the legal department at mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. But you can tell that she's like, okay, I have this steady desk job. It's going to pay like most, most of my household income for now. But, you know, I, I want to start dabbling into some things. And in those cases, these two are very clear and distinct, right? Mm. You know, one is her passion and she feels that, you know, there's a lot of market demand for what she's doing. But then on the other side of it, what her desk job gave her was actually the regularity of income. And stability. And stability. Right. Yeah. Again, multiple bets, right? And so you have some that are higher beta, right? Mm. And some of them are lower. And I think just learning quickly, right? There's, there's, um, I cited someone in the newsletter I wrote last week, a guy named Daniel Fasalo, who has a, a course called Small Bets. Mm. And his idea is you want to make a bunch of small, quick bets, cut them off if they're not working, right? Learn quickly and then move on to the next thing, right? Mm. In this, in a, in a, what he calls a stochastic world, that makes a lot of sense, right? So what I hear you describing your friend is she made a bet, she tried out the baking, it sounds like it worked. If mm-hmm. eventually she was able to ditch the legal world and, and go, um, all in on the, uh, on the baking, fantastic, right? Mm. So the question becomes, how can you get to that point quickly, mm. right, and efficiently? Do you think there are differences in terms of how an employee should approach this based on what generation they come from and based on the seniority they have in the organization? Well, for sure, yes. And to be more gauche about it, I think based on the security you do and don't have financially probably is a big factor, right? Mm. Like I think some, look, for some folks who are moonlighting, they have to, right? It's like mm. survival. Like yeah. a lot of, if you look at the data, there's a lot of folks who are doing it because they absolutely have to. And that's that's been the case, like unfortunately, since time immemorial, right? Mm. You know, I never side hustled. I did a more traditional like job, 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 save, figure out life with my partner and and wife. And that now is the time to be able to go and try and do something new and different, Mm. right? So I followed a pretty linear process. And and the point is I was able to do that because I followed that traditional path, right? Mm. And it was probably 18 years into my career, at which point I ripped the proverbial Band-Aid. So Mm. I totally think it's circumstantial and it depends. Seniority, sure. I think how much you have saved up mm-hmm. uh, could be part of it and or, you know, how much security you, you feel overall, what kind of obligations you do and mm. don't have, right? Mm. So I think on the one hand, yeah, if you have a little cushion, that's helpful. On the other, if you have less obligations, right, that can also be helpful in 
and sort of steering in that direction. Got it. And I know in 2024, you're looking to, you know, build a community with talent stories, mm-hmm. right? So tell us a little bit more about what's upcoming. Sure. I'm working right now on issue 100 of, of the newsletter. So it's been close to two years, once a week. Congratulations. Right? Thank you. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know what's involved, right? And yes. just putting in the reps. So it's been fun. I've learned a ton. And I think I've, I've come to the conclusion, very much related to what we're talking about, Junus, which is that we got as far as we did proverbially. And I'm, I'm speaking now about the readers that, that subscribe to my newsletter that have come to some of the events I've run, largely on our own, right? Mm. And I think, you know, there are, pros and cons to that. I mean, maybe the pro is the efficiency of it, but by and large, it could be a a lonely career journey, right? And Mm. and getting from where you start to where you now are, quote unquote, any of us. And I look out at these trends, right? The things we're talking about. I look at how quickly work is changing, Mm. how how quickly it's decentralizing, it's fractionalizing from both ends, right? Mm. I look at AI and, and, and write about and, 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 uh, all these these trends of how work is changing, and I think it's going to be super bumpy, right? Mm. And so the the idea of of the community is that we have a ton to learn from one another. Yeah, we probably want and need each other's support mm. now more than ever. Mm. Going into this next really bumpy phase of work, right? I think most of us, surprise, surprise, we all want fulfillment and meaning and success, right, out of work. And the thinking is simply, why go it alone for the next phase, right? Mm. Especially if it's going to be so bumpy for us. So for, you know, listeners who want to find out more about the work that you do or want to join the community, where can they find you? Yeah, they should go to talentstories.com. It's one word, talentstories. They can sign up for the newsletter there. Mm-hmm. They can get in touch with me that, that way. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, it's probably another easy way to find me. But yeah, would love to uh, love to get them involved. And um, we have some exciting plans for, for 2024. So it's well time. Excited. And we'll link it in the show notes as well so that you guys can just click on it. Thank you so much, Aki, for being on. Thank you, Junis. Thank pleasure. you. Always. Appreciate it. Thank you. Many thanks as well to all of you out there for tuning in. This has been a fantastic conversation and we would definitely love to hear what you think about it. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us through the email podcasts at melisten.sg or at my Instagram at MissFitFi. Aside from that, if you enjoy what you're listening to and want to hear more, please help to spread and grow the show by subscribing on MeListen or Apple Podcasts or by following on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Finally, the Building Financial Fitness Podcast is an original production from MediaCorp and recorded at Scape Live Studios, The Pod, powered by Audio-Technica and City Music. Episode production is done by Junus Yu, with editing and support by Danny Cordy and Gareth Fernandez. Once again, I'm your host and BFF, Junus Yu. Until the next time.